0: Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash Elite.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. i i be i I came
2: for the i be Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of
1: drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day the sportsman drag racing podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing luke and i will be talking about all of the hottest topics drivers and events in racing today big jed what's up oh luke just another day in paradise here uh, just getting home from work getting settled in to do the show uh a little worn down from the weekend had uh couple of five granders at uh, my home track holiday raceway this weekend. So the beach. Uh, yep, yeah, at the beach. Had a really good time. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you. I know you're traveling a little bit, so I don't know if you've had opportunity to keep up with it as us uh, posting. But uh, Team Bad Guys, which is uh, my little small group of buddies that, that I race with, um, we like to call ourselves Team Bad Guys for whatever reason. Because we're really a bunch of good guys all we are, but... They wrecked them this weekend at Holiday Beach. My boy Chris Martin. Something
0: behind that? Did somebody call y'all bad guys at some point, or that just you know?
1: Really good question. I don't even know. I don't don't know, (laughs) (laughs) man. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, Chris Martin, which is Larry Martin's son. I know you know. Chris got the Monza. Just has gotten it out and gotten rolling good, and already performing well. He got the big win on Saturday, five k. And my buddy Larry, his dad, got the win on Sunday for five k. Had uh, Nick Ross, Larry's stepson, Christopher's brother, won the practice tree race and run for the money. Uh, That was Friday and Sunday. Chris Wiley, which is Larry's business partner, took Larry's car and won the foot brake side on Saturday, the only day he competed. And uh, J.J. got the golf cart race win, so Man, I'm telling you, we torched Holiday Beach this weekend. It was a great time. Had, a, had an awesome weekend. Sounds like a clean
0: sweep. Now, Chris Wiley, that's a name I hadn't heard in a while. That, is that the first time he's raced in a long time?
1: In six years, yeah. Oh. <laughs> first time out in six years. and Cracked him in foot brake uh, in Larry's car. Car was really good. Chris drove extremely well. It was really cool. Of course, the highlight of the weekend for me was... I was JJ's passenger as he was double entered in the golf cart race. Had I don't know 35 or 40 uh, pit vehicles in the race, and JJ lives for those things. He's done it three or four times and eked him out a win. It was uh, it was a really cool experience. Beat Lucas Ford actually, you know, as a field full of grown men and women, and we had a 11 year old and a 10 year old in the in the final of it. And Lucas went red, so. J.J. got the big win, the happy Gilmore check, which is really cool for me to get the co-pilot with him, see him get his first big win. That is awesome. You guys making memories down there. That's cool. Yeah, it was a great time. How about you, bud? What's happening on your side? Well, it's no surprise to you, Jed, as I know we've talked a little bit
0: throughout the week, but it probably a significant surprise to our listeners. I'm doing this week's <laughs> podcast remote from Salt Lake City, Utah.
1: <laughs> Out there on vacation?
0: Something like that. I am at, uh, I'm at Rocky Mountain Raceways. I'm doing what I said I wasn't going to do, Big Jed. Which was uh, I wasn't going to get involved in this super comp points chase. I wasn't going to go to any divisional events, but uh, let's make this halfway <laughs> brief. Uh, we've talked about how cool a super comp points chase this is with LaBoose and Stennett and Nick Folk and Austin Williams and the like. And as you know, like I started off the season really well nationally Wasn't going to go to any divisional events and honestly expected at least one of those guys to just put this deal out of reach where I didn't even consider it. As good a season as they're all having, that hasn't happened. Like in the last month, the top mark hasn't moved and little John may end up winning this thing with 658 points. But if I was going to put my analyst hat on right here, Jed, I am a long shot, like a really long shot. Thankfully, I don't race with my analyst hat on. I think I got a shot to do this. I believe in myself. Otherwise, I wouldn't have drove 2,000 miles over the course of the last six days. I went to Dallas last weekend for the divisional down there. Didn't have much success. Lost third round. Packed up from there and uh, trekked to Salt Lake City. So if you're wondering, like, why on earth are you doing this? Because quite frankly, when I was driving down Interstate 80 through Wyoming yesterday, (laughs) that thought crossed my mind
1: more than I remember the text (laughs) yeah
0: but like financially I will be the first to admit this makes no sense like I am 2,000 miles from home racing for divisional purses on the NHRA tour are not grand probably the stupidest part of this financially is that I'm not going to Huntsville which is about 10% of the drive for 10 times the money I get that but uh, a couple of ways that I would rebut that. Number one, I've got some awesome marketing partners that when I ran this by them, they were all in, go do it, go make a run at it. And namely, I mean, obviously you've got K&N and, and, and Carl Watts supports me a ton, both financially and like emotionally. He's, he's my number one fan, but namely in this case, yeah. racing RVs, Ellis trucking, like this deal doesn't, cost me a lot of money thanks to those guys so that's awesome and and as i've talked about like probably not particularly eloquently but i remember discussing this like on the indie preview episode that like money isn't a huge motivating factor for me at this stage like you get to a point where not again saying that i'm rich by any means but like in relative to expectations for my life like way more than i ever dreamed of got everything that i ever wanted so whatever you know what i mean like money's not sure. really the reason that i'm going racing anywhere and then you got people like i talked to a few people at dallas last week and they're like man if you could pull this off and you know win your third world championship or whatever what would that do for your legacy and like look i don't care the the whole thing i guess i'm fortunate like i think to have this outlook but i for as long as i can remember there's only one person that i really wanted to make believe that i was good at driving a race car and that's me And at this point, like I have eclipsed any goal or expectation that I've had for my racing career. So I could never win another race the rest of my life. And I believe that I would die thinking I'm pretty good at driving a race car. So like the idea that whether this year finishes up as number one or number 12 or wherever would alter that at all is crazy to me. And if it alters it in other people's mind, like how good a race are, that's fine. Like whatever. But the, the, the reason that I'm here, and I know this got really long winded and I, I was having this conversation with, with Brian Robinson of all people last week before I even set out on the road. And he's like, why would you even want to do that? And I said, well, I just love staging up for a round knowing. What hangs in the balance knowing that that could be the round that decides the world championship and, and affects everybody's points totals like I just mm-hmm. love that pressure and you can't duplicate that like I, I really embrace that moment and what Brian said I never thought of myself as this but I think he's right he's like oh so you're in a you're an adrenaline junkie. I guess that's fair. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think that you can duplicate this. And I I don't want to say I live for those moments because I think I live for a lot more than than driving a race car, but it's really cool. And I embrace that. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to succeed, like win or lose. Like, I just, I think you look back on those moments with fondness and it's cool to be in a position to do that. And like we've talked about, I've been pretty open about, I think on the podcast, like, I don't want to say this is my last chance to ever do something like this, but my racing program is going to change a lot starting next year, this off season. Like we're, we're downsizing a bunch. I don't intend to, I said this year, I wasn't going to chase it, but like, I'm not even going to go to the national events next year. You know what I mean? So I kind of look at this in some respects as kind of like my last hurrah. And I've got a chance, however slim it may be like, let's roll out here and see what happens. So that thought process has brought me to uh, Salt Lake city, Utah. So here we go. (laughs) <laughs>
1: well i think it's awesome i you know i admire you bud for uh taking a swing and and seeing if you hit it or not and it is a long shot like you said but there is a mathematical chance and anytime you got a mathematical chance you got a chance so i'm uh, looking forward to seeing how it plays out and wish you a lot of luck in the process
0: well, i appreciate it we'll get back to the show this week we will be covering results from an national event in charlotte Divisional events in Ennis, Texas, where I was, and Woodburn, Oregon. We will get a chance to catch up with two-time IHRA world champion, a man who's bidding for his third... Has it within reach? That's Danny Waters Jr. We'll talk about his season, and he'll, most importantly, like the reason we got him on, is he's going to help us dissect the mess of IHRA championships that will all be decided this weekend up in mm-hmm. Dragway 42 in Ohio. Every one of them is up for grabs. Plus, we'll take a quick look at NHRA bracket finals winners, those guys who have punched a ticket to Pomona. So we've got a ton to cover, but as always, let's kick it off by telling everybody
1: <laughs>
2: who's hot. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing.
1: Siebert Performance Who's Hot. In addition to building quality race engines, Siebert Performance is your source for carburetor setup. Whether it's a new, custom-calibrated carburetor or a rebuild and calibration of your current carb, Luke Siebert at Siebert Performance has the answer. Call Luke at 785-286-6813. Luke, we've got several hot drivers uh, across the sportsman drag racing landscape right now, but uh, some people stood out to us this week. Let's, let's talk about those guys.
0: Yeah, we actually, between you, me, and Mark, we had a little email nomination going on this morning. We had four nominees, uh, which I think is a record for the the Who's Hot segment. <laughs> so I guess honorable mention, and we'll talk about them later in the show, to John LaBoost Jr., to Todd Bones Ewing, and also to Todd Piper. But we were basically in the unanimous agreement that this week's Who's Hot goes to Justin Lamb, man that is parked right behind me here at Rocky Mountain Raceways on his uh, his own I guess northwestern swing but uh, Justin doubled up last weekend at the uh, Division 6 event in Woodburn Oregon and that in and of itself is uh, a worthy accomplishment if there was so much going on last weekend that again like it wasn't just a shoe in that he's who's hot over those other guys that we just mentioned what I think catapulted Justin's achievements in all of our minds was the stakes and the situation. He went into that race leading the Superstock National points with an opportunity to essentially put it away. He did that in in, in spectacular fashion. Like uh, I think his average reaction time for the event was a 13 off the bottom in Superstock. Pretty mm. nasty. Basically, didn't leave much to chance. And mathematically, it's not over. But he has essentially put the Superstock deal out of reach. And then, in addition to that one stock eliminator in his new Copo Camaro. And to me, and I think to most people that were even paying attention, kinda went from off the grid to a legitimate contender for the stock national championship as well. So mm. when you combine all of that, all of the the pressure that goes into a situation like that from both angles, I think it's actually easier to race from his position in stock where you're coming from behind, with nothing to lose, so to speak. I think it's harder mentally to push the envelope as he did in Superstock. But you put all of that together and man, what an impressive
1: performance for Justin Lamb. Yeah, I've got to watch Justin race at the Spring Fling Million personally earlier this year in the Superstocker and he's an absolute machine in that car and showed it again over the weekend and then adding the stock final round win to it as well. Just another unbelievable performance by a guy that's just, he stayed hot all year. He's not just hot this week or last weekend he stayed hot all year so justin congratulations awesome job and uh, looking forward to seeing how the points wrap up for you my man but uh, just like you mentioned luke you still got other guys in the mix this week i mean caboose and bones and todd piper those three guys all another strong performance out of them
0: yeah, Caboose and Bones showing out at, uh, at Charlotte. Part of the big show out there, NHRA National Event in Charlotte. Bones, again, that's our buddy, Todd Ewing. Got the wing. Slammer. Alabama yeah, slammer. That's right. Coming off of his runner-up finish in the uh, door slammer portion of the All State competition last week, representing I, Team Alabama. Bones got the win in Charlotte in top dragster. Driving Sean Langdon's dragster, knocked off Barry Brown in the final, and he was 1,000th of a second away from joining that exclusive club of double-up winners, which we've had a yeah. number of this season. He was 1,000 under in the final of top sportsman, took the runner-up, which was his second national event runner-up this season in that category, this time following. Into Jerry Albert. Anything else yeah, to say about Bones?
1: Yeah, you know the the top dragster side of that. Which, by the way, he would have traded top dragster for top sportsman. That that top sportsman final round has just been a thorn in his side for whatever reason. He's great driver, as you know. Just he really wanted that top sportsman win. I know he's going to get it soon. But the top dragster side, you know, you just talked about this a few episodes ago when you took the quote unquote slow way down the track uh in top dragster and how difficult it is and you know bones basically had one of the the slower cars in the field there at charlotte and got the win and drove really well i know you looked at the numbers at some point or you probably have but uh that was quite an impressive uh, driving job by him i think it added a little bit more degree of difficulty to the to the goal and he got it done so i was really proud to see that
0: yeah no like i said a few episodes ago that's a tough tough spot and it's all relative he's going what 720 not like it's slow but when you're running a car up 620 you feel pretty slow and (laughs) yeah that in and of itself in a dragster it's difficult to to find that opponent much less when you've got to wear a neck restraint as is required in top dragster you're very limited so it changes your whole finish line strategy but uh, obviously pones was able to overcome that come through with a big win for uh, for car owner langdon
1: yeah, that was big. And John Labouche Jr. did it again, Luke. Another uh, double final round, getting a win in one category and, and coming up short in another. But another big weekend for him. Does not help him into points. Obviously, we've discussed that at length about uh, his points ability, uh, points gaining ability is over with. But uh, a great outing for him nonetheless.
0: Yeah, that'd be an interesting question for John. Maybe I'll have him on sometime. The I don't know if he would trade because obviously. There's a lot more money involved in the national event level. Would he trade this finish to have done that at English Town a week ago? And I don't know if secure both national titles would be the way to put that, but definitely bolster his hopes. Not yeah. sure which one he'd choose, to be honest. The uh That would be
1: interesting. Yeah,
0: but again, like you mentioned, let's take a look back here. We talked about John's double up at this same facility at Charlotte just a few short months ago when he won Supercomp and Super Gas at the spring race. He comes back in the fall, gets the Super Comp win over Amanda Boschesco. Amanda had some kind of odd issue in the finals. So which was real late, like a second mm-hmm. over. Not sure what happened there, but fairly easy final round for little John. He comes back around and is defeated in Super Gas by uh, Dean Mathauser. Uh, I've raced against Dean, but I'm not 100% sure that's the right way to say his uh, last name. Dean made a really good run and finally ended that wild streak for Laboose. You put that all together, I'm pretty sure that both categories at both of those events were six rounds. At zemax Dragway in 2017, in national event competition, that means that John LaBoost Jr. was 23-1. and one.
1: That is <laughs> pretty crazy.
0: of ridiculous. So, very, very impressive. I know, just because I know how little John is, he probably beat himself up all the way home for not Winning both, because that's the way that he approaches this deal, but uh, yeah. nonetheless, very, very impressive. Other winners in Charlotte, Nick Childs got the super stock win. I believe that was over John Bartolomeo in a heads-up final. And then uh, Kenneth Stott with the win in stock over Mickey Whaley.
1: Yeah, and uh, as we mentioned, uh, in top dragster, Bones got the win over Barry Brown. Top sportsman, Bones come up short to Jerry Albert in that final round, so... Again, him making two final rounds there was really big, but uh, obviously Bones and, uh, and Little John was a the story there. But Charlotte was another great event. I know uh, I, I want to give a special shout-out to my boys, AD and Little Strick. Uh, they semied in stock, had a chance to run each other in the final, have an all-Alabama slammer final in the uh, stock category, but come up around short, both of them there. So hated to see that, but congratulations, Kenneth Stott and Mickey Whaley.
0: No doubt. All right, quickly, let's hit these pair of uh, divisional events. First off, Ennis, uh, where I was, Division 4 race. Uh, I got to watch these firsthand from the finish line bleachers because I'd been out for a while. Mike Green, winner in top dragster over Michael Kyle. Top sportsman saw Henry Kendall knock out Lance Rutland. Super Comp was our buddy, friend of the show, podcast bump, Tommy Phillips. Uh, Got the win over TP Savage. Pretty emotional win for Tommy. I know he'd gotten word early Saturday morning that his grandfather had passed away. Grandfather he was very close with told told a great story about him on Facebook. So I know that that was uh, weighing on him all day. And to be able to get that win, I guess, uh, in memory of Grandpa, pretty special for TP.
1: Mm, Yeah, very special. Uh, Super Gas was Jack Collier. The legend gets it done over Robert Rowan. Uh, Super Street was Steve Dominguez over Jim Burrell. Super Stock was Aaron Stanfield getting a win over Jimmy Hidalgo.
0: Yeah, Cooter put Uh, on a show. there. runner-up in Super Stock, also semi in stock, just as a side note.
1: Yeah. Another good outing for Cooter and Aaron, one of the young up-and-coming racers in the sport, uh, getting another big win there in Super Stock. Mm -hmm. And Stock was our buddy, Baby Gap, Slate Cummings. With a win, I may I may get punished for that one if he listens to the show over John Brimer. So uh, slate with another great outing. Uh, He was a utility driver for Team Louisiana at the All State Challenge and showing that he's uh, got a lot of abilities. Getting a stock win there,
0: Jed. Let me just say, like with all due respect to our listeners out there that love watching Stock Eliminator, like it doesn't do much for me. Okay, I loved thoroughly enjoyed watching. Slate Cummings run Stock Eliminator from the finish line because Slate Cummings makes Stock Eliminator a spectator sport. I don't know (laughs) what Slate could run at Dallas, but I know what he was dialed, and he could run way (laughs) faster than that. And it was just, I mean, he would go through the finish line, and my section of bleachers would just laugh every time going... (laughs) And he didn't make it to the eight <laughs> again. So, um, <laughs> kudos to Slate, man. Impressive and enjoyable. Those guys tend to make everything that they do fun. He makes Stock Eliminator fun. So, way to go, Slate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you ain't the only one that didn't know what he could run. He probably didn't either.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's the reason behind that. But whatever. <laughs> it was entertaining. Uh
1: Luke, let's move out to beautiful Woodburn, Oregon. I've, uh, I've actually got to see that drag strip in my work travels. I got to go through there. Really nice place in a beautiful part of the country. And they had a Lucas Oil event when top dragster Ryan Carlson got the win over Tom Keenan. Top sportsman was Daniel Wagner. Oh, boy. Here we go again. That's tough. Over Mike Williams. Defending world champion Mike Mike Williams. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mike getting another final round there. Super Comp was Justin Cooper over Matthew Woodard. Super Gas was Phil Gilbert Jr. over High Gear Ryan Harum. Or that actually would be Ryan Highgear here, I think. But Super Street was Mark Downing over Todd Sims. And then as we discussed, Justin Lamb with the win in Super Stock and Stock and Super Stock, he got it over Rick McKinney. In Stock, he got it over our buddy Kyle Rizzoli. So another double there for Justin as we talked about earlier. Great outing for him and like great event there in Woodburn.
0: Yeah, and one other thing that we wanted to uh, try to cover on the podcast, I know we missed the Division Six Finals last week. I don't want to spend a ton of time just because there's only so much time on the podcast, but I know the way I was growing up and the way a lot of racers are across the country, the Division Finals, the the ET Bracket Finals, is the biggest race of the year for the vast majority of bracket racers across the country. So again, while we can't dedicate a ton of time to it, I think at least weekly we want to give an update about the racers who have punched their ticket to Pomona, because obviously each division's winners in each class get that paid trip to Pomona to run off for the national championship. So to this point, Jed, like I said, Division 6 actually ran it would be almost two weekends ago now. This past weekend, we had ET finals in Division 1, Division 3, and Division 5. And again, we're just going to kind of go through that roll call of uh, racers who have punched their ticket to Pomona.
1: Yeah, in, in Division 1 Super Pro is Todd Martin, or actually Super Pro category. We'll say Division 1 is Todd Martin, Division 3 is Carl Keel, Division 5 is Todd Piper, Division 6 is Andy Schlinker. Yeah, and, and I'll
0: Pro... interrupt you just briefly there to say a word about Todd Piper because that was another one that was on our short list for the Who's Hot this week. If you remember, if you follow this stuff at all... Todd Piper was last year's, 2016, NHRA Super Pro World Champion. He won the Division 5 ET Finals, took the trip to Pomona, came out triumphant there. This year, rewind, once again, back-to-back seasons, wins the Division 5 Finals, is headed to Pomona yet again, and potentially three rounds away from defending that national championship which is a title that doesn't get defended like you literally are beating thousands of racers every year it's it's not even like winning a stock eliminator world championship you know what i mean it's literally everybody across the country it's pretty special for todd a guy that's i believe in his young 20s headed back out there again so i just felt like he deserved a little bit of recognition for that incredible accomplishment
1: yeah no doubt about it that is uh that's really hard to do once Mm -hmm. but certainly hard to do back to back so Pro category, Luke um, Division One was Butch Weinrich, which Butch has uh, won a world championship in Pomona. He's going back, and I believe if I saw this right, he won the Division One Pro final round with a True Start win. I, I did I see believe. that. I think you're right. Yeah. So the True Start determining the win there for Butch um, Division Three was Boyd Butcher, uh, Division Five was Eric Johnson. And Division 6 is Robert Steffen. Uh, That's the pro category. And street sportsman uh, Mike Mackey was Division 1. There's a story there about Mike uh, that uh, my buddy Mark Denebaum sent me, but he won that, uh, I think Mike won that championship in his father's car, if I remember right. I need to go back and look at the story at some point and and get it right. But um, his father, I think, had, Passed and uh, Mike got the win in the car that he drove, which was a pretty emotional deal for him, I believe. And Division three was Johnny Cook. Division five was Eugene Lamb. And Division six was Troy Johnston. A motorcycle category, Division one is Austin Yount. Division three, Thomas Uig, Division five, Curtis Spracklin. And Division six is Riley Toth. So those guys are going to the finals in Pomona.
0: Yeah, very cool stuff. I hope that all of those guys... Get the opportunity to take advantage of the opportunity presented to them, and get to make that toe out to Pomona. Obviously, I have never been a part of that. I have witnessed it a couple of times, and man, what a neat deal! In most cases, the the average ET bracket racer to come showcase their skills on one of the, if not the grandest stages in NHRA competition. It is an electric atmosphere. Those guys are treated like the pros, or you know, would be similar to like the All Stars Runoff in Chicago. Like I said. I've got the opportunity to watch that go down a couple of times, and it is a really, really neat program, that eight-car runoff at Pomona. So congrats to all those guys, and obviously good luck to them out west in November. One interesting thing that came up this weekend that I uh, was made aware of was at the Division 5 ET Finals at Topeka Jed. And I just want to run this by you and kind of get your take on it. Here's the situation. This event was supposed to, I think they made time runs Friday, maybe one time run Saturday morning and race to finish Saturday night late. Cold front came in, rains came in late in the event. Uh, I believe as every class was into the semifinal round or thereabouts and got rained out. So obviously those semifinals and finals get pushed back to Sunday morning, which I'm sure was a stressful night for those still remaining. You've got an opportunity to win, you know, in most cases, the biggest race of your career and have to sleep on it. That's tough. But yeah. obviously as part of this front rolling in, along with the rain came colder weather, much colder weather. Um, like to that point, the, the pro ET winner was Eric Johnson, as you mentioned earlier. In the sixth round, which was the last round contested on Saturday night, Eric was dialed 923. In the final round, Eric was dialed 905. <laughs> Pretty good swing, right?
1: Oh yeah. Um, but
0: here's the the interesting part to this that I I wanted to to get your thoughts on and debate a little bit is these racers got up Sunday morning. I, I assume were called to the tower, made aware somehow. Um, Division five was actually going to give them a time trial prior to the semifinal round. I don't want to say that that is like that's never been done before. Like I've been to several big dollar bracket events where we got rained out, pushed back into the next day. Everybody gets a time trial before we finish it up, right? I don't think that's mm-hmm. completely uncommon. Yeah. But, but I do think, at least to my knowledge, it's basically unprecedented in, in an NHRA event. Like Obviously, that would never happen in a national or a divisional event. Now I'm not aware of it ever happening before at the bracket finals. The reasoning provided to these racers by, I assume, Division 5 director Rob Parks, and I haven't talked to him about this directly was that look conditions have changed significantly we feel like it would be an unsafe atmosphere in terms of excessive braking to put you guys out there and force you to pick a dial in. we're going to give everybody a time trial
1: good call bad call what do you say oh luke uh, i could see both sides of it but i like it i like the call to get a time trial i'm a i'm a you know a bottom bulb racer historically i've, I've switched over lately but I can't remember ever racing a race that had a two-tenth swing from day to day, and, you know, the car would obviously react differently. It'd be a lot faster today's racing. There'd probably be some significant holding just to make sure that you were reading the weather right and, you know, could be some excessive braking. And, you know, personally, I just want the time trial just to just to see what it's supposed to run and and get a hit at the tree, but um, I, I like to call. I think it's a good call. I don't know where you're at on it but i like it
0: i'm with you i could make i think a very strong argument either way now personally if as a racer if i was in that situation i would raise hell and you know (laughs) quote unquote burn the tower down like i feel like it would be a significant advantage for me to go into that round blind because that's what i do like We go into rounds blind all the time Mm -hmm. in in NHRA superclass competition. But with that said, like I would say a significant percentage of the competitors entered at the bracket finals certainly don't do that often. And I would venture to say Mm -hmm. that a significant percentage of the racers entered in that race have never staged up for a blind round with anything on the line, much less... Everything from a racing standpoint on the line, you know what I mean? like yep. your your regular weekly bracket program, you never, ever face that situation. So from that standpoint, I could absolutely justify the decision. And I would assume that there were track managers, track directors in Rob Parks's ear telling him exactly that. Like this isn't fair to expect these guys to do this. They never do this, right? And I think that that's valid. Like I say, from my standpoint, I, I would want to run the round blind because I feel like it's a huge advantage to me. Um, and, and same way, I don't know exactly who all was in, but anybody that runs the the NHRA tour with some regularity, I'm sure would feel the same way. So you've got a, a dividing line there. But I think I'm going to say that this was a bad call, just A, because debate's good, and so I want to be on the opposite side of you. But to me, the deciding factor of this is In your division, you're crowning your division champions. You're also deciding who is going to represent your division at the World Finals at Pomona. When these guys go to Pomona, it is completely a national event venue. It is a national event atmosphere. They will get like two time runs Friday. I believe you get two time runs Saturday. You run first round Sunday afternoon. They're going to have to deal with the blind run. I think I would want my representative to, some, to be someone who showcased that they were capable of doing that.
1: Hmm, so That's a that's good side of the argument, for sure.
0: But like I say, I can't fault them. I could see the argument either way, but I think that's where I would fall if the decision were in my hands.
1: Yep, I could see both sides of that.
0: All right, racing RVs. Like I mentioned in the uh, What's Up segment of the show, I am in Salt Lake City. That's a long way from Illinois. Uh, it's a long way from Dallas, which was not on the way to Salt Lake City. I am here in a racing RV's motorhome. The one that I am using for this trip is a 2003 30-foot Renegade. It's got a super slide. It's twin screw built on an FL112 chassis with a C12. That's a cat. 410-horsepower motor. It had no issue with the mountains coming up here. Nice piece. There are five separate sleeping areas here. I can sleep up to 10. It's got two new leather sofas. It's got new televisions loaded with options. it's Got a 12K Onan diesel generator, propane water heater, 200 gallons of fresh water, which comes in handy on a long trip like this, 30,000 pound hitch. It's got a nice 19 foot electric awning, two air conditioners, ladder, spare tire, you name it. It's got it. Nice piece, affordable. It's got about uh, 250,000 miles on it. Again, it's an O3 model. Asking price on this coach, $99,900. If you're interested in this or any coach, that Racing RVs offers, check them out online, racingrvs.com. Give Joe Fisher a call at 419-236-1328. And as always, Racing RVs has financing options. They take trade in and they offer nationwide delivery. In addition to Racing RVs, this week's podcast is presented in part by This is Bracket Racing Elite. I get a lot of questions about This is Bracket Racing Elite and how it works. The premise here is really simple. If you want to become a better racer and you are willing to put in the time and effort to do so, I think we can help you. The ways that Elite can help is probably a little bit different for everyone, but the end goal is the same. That's to increase understanding, develop execution, and most importantly, build and maintain confidence. Now, the cost is significant. Currently, we're at $90 a month tuition, but there is no commitment beyond one month. So if you like what you see and you feel like you're benefiting from it, You can continue with the group. If not, what are you out? 90 bucks. It's not that big a deal. So you can learn more at thisisbracketracing.com or message me for complete details.
2: All right,
1: guys. Joining us now is a guy that uh, we look forward to having on the show. Luke and I have been talking about this a little while. He's a two-time IHRA world champion, won hot rod in 1998 and quick rod in 2007. He is the current IHRA quick rod points leader in 2017. He's the driver of the Moser engineering quick rod dragster. He is the North Carolina all state challenge team champion, all around great racer and good guy. Danny Waters Jr. on the phone. Danny, what's going on, bud? Hey,
2: hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Everything's good here. Hope it is for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, What's all up, good. D-Dub? Glad to have you on, brother. Hey, man. Glad to be here. I love the show. I listen to it all the time, I actually. I uh, get to the track a lot of times and just fire it up and listen to old episodes and, and pick up on, on some stuff. Great material, guys. Love what you guys do. We appreciate it. I think
0: you're just saying that because you're on, but we do appreciate it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, you know, I'll I'll collect payment however you know, uh, PayPal, whatever time. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll uh, cut you in on profit sharing.
0: Wait for that check.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm,
2: I'm good with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you uh, talked about it on the podcast on a handful of different episodes, but you have had one heck of a season thus far on a variety of levels, obviously within the I-Trade Tour, the All-State runoff, some bracket racing. Walk us through, I guess, kind of in cliff notes form, your season to to date.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I started out the season. We won the division championship, division two in NHRA last year. So my objective from starting out was to use that gold card as much as I could. And man, they beat me to death over there. And uh, I've been a few rounds hit and miss. But I decided to slip off to. Darlington early in the year when they had the uh, rainout race for Palm Beach and the double for Darlington. So you get three races in one weekend. And, uh, man, things started off just really, really strong. Uh, got very uh, fortunate there at the beginning and made it to the winter circle in the Palm Beach rainout race. Uh, made it down to the quarterfinals the next day in the first Darlington race and then won the final race for the Darlington race there, all in quick ride. So that that really – Leapfrogged us up uh, into a position where we really needed to look at chasing that deal. You know, the I uh, Summit Sports National deal, paying fifteen thousand per class to win, which is a neat deal for for all involved.
0: Yeah, no question. That's a big weekend to kick things off.
2: Oh man, you and I talked about this a little bit, Luke, and and some of the listeners may appreciate this. If they don't, they may should uh, think about it some, but. I had struggled a little bit on the on the pro tree, and most people know that the NHRA tree tends to be a little longer than the IHRA tree, and I've just gotten myself in a heck of a pinch, and I was scrolling through Facebook or Twitter, and I saw one of your links come across about how to hit the tree better in 30 minutes, and I clicked on that thing, and I read it, and it didn't take long to go through it, and it really, for whatever reason, my brain knows what it needs to do, but I needed to read over it, and Reacclimate myself with the starting line for whatever reason but man it really lit a, a fire under me and it certainly helped get me back in the groove where i needed to be on the pro tree for sure
0: and you're really taking this being on the payroll seriously aren't you yeah my goodness
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey you know uh sponsorship runs deep with me man that's the only way i get to do this stuff so you know, i gotta get a plug in everywhere i get a chance
0: <laughs> i appreciate it you know, we're glad to be a a small part of your success that's awesome to hear yeah, well done. Hey,
2: uh, you know, it really does help, man. I mean, uh, a lot of times we take it for granted. You, you guys know it more than anybody. You're in the car a lot, and we get complacent sometimes, even though we don't think we are. But that stuff makes a huge difference.
0: Now, we'll yeah. get into it a little bit deeper as we go. Like I say, part of the reason we wanted to have you on is to to break down the i try points chase in every category, because every one of them, at least to some extent, is up for grabs this weekend. But just like from a periphery, yep. you have won now four quick ride races this season correct that is correct and you only get to claim seven and it's not over that that's also correct
2: yeah <laughs> it's still not over man that's um, crazy. that's the craziness <laughs> that's the craziness that we're dealing with here uh these that well there's so many great racers when you break them up into they're not necessarily divisions but you do put them in regions where people are familiar with their their home tracks and mm-hmm. They can do well there, and you get a guy like Gary Fleener right now is uh, is the guy that has a chance to get me. He's got uh, six races total claimed out of seven. They take your best seven of your first ten. Where he sits right now, he would certainly have to win a five-round race, which would get him an additional 112 points, which would put him within three rounds of me. Gotcha. Um, so so the first than... day is going to be a pretty big deal. Catch gotcha. yep. win
0: one, and then improve on whatever he's improving by three rounds. But in your
2: case, exactly,
0: you've still got both of those races at forty-two to improve yourself.
2: Correct. That's exactly right. You know, I went to uh, I went to Buds Creek, had a little bit of issues with the car, and decided after the first day, I just pulled my second day entry and decided to just let it ride until the last race of the season. I still have a uh, I do have a first round loss that was handed to me by none other than Kevin Brandon at Piedmont. He suckered me into a little finish line game down there and he, uh, <laughs> he got the best of me. Uh, you don't want to draw him any round, but you definitely don't want to draw him first round. So I do have a first rounder there to kick out. I also have a second round uh, loss to kick out. So I'm just going with uh, the focus of taking one race at the time, not worrying about what anybody else does and just go and do what we always do is try to win the race.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds like a great plan. Yeah. Good position to be in. It Danny, is, man.
2: It's not bad.
1: Danny, I mentioned in your intro that you were the All-State captain for Team North Carolina, and, uh, and you know, I ribbed you a little bit off air about Alabama winning, but, you know, you were, you were right in the middle of that thing, in and out of the car. The job you did as a team captain, really, we should all take your lead. It was an amazing job you did, securing sponsorship, promoting your team, I know you had a little trouble. It's a pretty good distance from there to Memphis, so you had guys that had to back out and this and that, but you still put together a great team that was down to it at the final run. And everything you did as a captain was pretty phenomenal, considering that you were part of the team racing, too. Tell us how you were able to do that, because we want this thing to grow, and I think as team captains, we need to learn from what you did for your team.
2: I certainly appreciate that. Basically. It started out with an idea of, uh, you know, watch what some of the other teams were doing as far as raffling and and doing different things. We decided to, uh, I did talk to the team. We basically, one of the first things we did was we formed a group message on Facebook. So we have a team North Carolina group messaging system from word go. We're talking about expenses, logistics. If anybody's going to haul together, we just kind of started out with from ground zero at that point. We have so many, like most states, we have so many North Carolina-based businesses that are seeking ways to advertise and get their name out there at a reasonable expense. also have a bunch of t-shirt companies and stuff around here. My original plan was to use North Carolina companies only. Uh, It did branch out a little bit, and we had a few uh, out-of-staters join as well. But long story short, I put together a short proposal, and gave three levels of potential sponsorship for those that were interested so you had like a platinum level you had a gold level and a silver level so the more you paid the bigger spot you got on the back of the shirt the more in depth your social media plugs would be mm-hmm. so basically we'd put together like a commercial for whatever your company was and we would all seven of us drivers as well as whoever else would do it we'd get out there and share it and that was part of the deal you know and uh Once we put the first few together, that's when it really took off, is when companies and businesses see that they can get something back out of it. And that's the main thing I wanted to do. My team and I, we didn't want a handout. We wanted to give something back to those people that could give to us. And uh, I really feel like we did that.
1: Yeah, you did an amazing job. I know it was helpful for your team, and you guys represented well out there. You ought to put together a tutorial or something on uh, on how to do that for team captains. And I say that kind of joking, but really kind of serious, too. I think you can help that grow by the knowledge and experience that you had that you put in this year. It was, uh, it was awesome to watch.
2: I do appreciate it, man. And, and like I said, it's beneficial for... It is beneficial for the team getting there, but it's beneficial for everybody involved because they are getting something in return. You know, they're getting ROI on it. Yeah,
0: Yeah. yeah, that's obviously the key. Just to share with our listeners, Danny, what all were you guys able to put together? Like, I know that your team, none of the drivers had to pay their individual entry fees. I got the impression that you had fuel money covered, plus there was still a little bit of extra money to spread around everybody. Is that
2: accurate? Yeah. Well, we didn't get quite that much. What we, uh, long story short, between everybody that we had combined, we drummed up a total of sixty five hundred dollars. Wow! So out of that sixty five hundred, obviously we paid for our thirty five hundred total entry fee five hundred per driver for seven drivers, and we covered the expense of the t shirts, which we also had some uh, some help on the shirts, but we did have to pay some for that. And we did hat. and also to the other team members, man, they really stepped up and helped. Freer and Matt Weston both did a great job. Everybody did a good job spreading the word so we i mean sixty five hundred bucks towards a trip like this and and really nothing but time that's a big deal yeah
1: Yeah, it's huge as i mentioned you were in the car and out of the car but take us through and this might be a bad memory i apologize i know the, (laughs) the coming up a little short there had a lot no i'm not really ribbing you here there was a lot on the line in that run and But walk us through that final round of the All-State Challenge with Brad and and all that was going through your mind as you were getting prepared.
2: Well, you know, prior to that run, I really felt just phenomenal. I was like, you know what? This is big. This is our chance to do what we came here to do. And I meant, to be honest with you, I was almost overconfident in, in Chad Duke. He was just on fire. He was feeling it. You can almost look in his eyes. He always feels it, but you could see the look <laughs> yeah. in his eyes. He was just on point. He was ready to roll. So I was like, here's my deal. you know." Uh, and Brad, I love Brad. He's a great guy, as class act as you can find, a phenomenal racer. You want to beat that guy. you know? Sure. And uh, I could envision it going down, but uh, <laughs> I envisioned uh, his wind light coming on, so that didn't work out for me. <laughs>
1: Well, he made a really strong run there. It ain't like you fell out of the car. He he made a run that was really difficult to beat. Got it to, yeah, to did, dead man. on there, and you he turned did. him loose.
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't quite get to him. I had a little bit of a issue in the final, believe it or not. If you, if you go back and look at it on Motor Mania, my stuff was just really moving around bad uh, after it came off the stop, which is very not likely of my stuff. But the, uh had a little transmission leak spring up. Uh, actually, the overflow tank broke a loose on it and man it sprayed transmission fluid everywhere so what i thought was going to be a real nice smooth 884 was looking out to be about an 891 to the rug so mm. <laughs> that doesn't work out too good on bp
0: yeah it's not a good combination dw no. we broke it down a little bit earlier the quick ride situation this weekend at dragway 42 as you mentioned gary flaner is the the only driver that will be there that has a, a chance to catch you. And he's got his work cut out for him. I know that you've looked at it from your point of view. And as you said, are focused on what you need to do. What do you have to do to close it out? Like, regardless of what Gary does, if you go this many rounds, you
2: win. If I win third round, it should be over. In just one of the two races? Yeah, in one of the two races. If I win third round, that should close the door.
0: Awesome. All right. As we mentioned earlier... You're a little bit more familiar with the IHRA point system than Jed or myself, although we've tried to do our homework. We're trying to stay up on this, but we're just going to kind of run through each class fairly briefly because the beauty of this IHRA point system, there's fewer races. You get to claim seven out of 10. Like What it does is basically condense this to where this weekend, this finale, basically everything is on the line in every category. As far as I can tell, there is nothing that is set in stone just yet. You, that is correct. You and um, Chris Webb and Hot Rod are probably the two that had, could could consider themselves the most comfortable going into the weekend. And I know from talking to you, you're not completely comfortable going into the weekend. So uh, it's going to be <laughs> high drama at Dragway 42. But like top sportsman is, is one class is intriguing, I think, to me. The leader is Marlon Goats from down in Texas. Actually, Marlon's a guy that I grew up racing with. Yep. Marlon's out of races. His yep. total is... Not comfortable by any means. There are a number of racers mathematically involved, but it looks to me like the best shots to overtake Marlin go with Nathan Van Beek, Rob Havershack, Mark Payne, and our buddy Scott Wasco. I don't know where you're at on this, D-Dub. My feeling is somebody, and I'm not going to predict who, I think somebody will surpass Goats' total.
2: Yeah, I've got that same feeling, and I'm going to be honest with you, man. I think the dark horse right here is Scott Wasco. I said that a couple Um, episodes
0: ago. Yeah, I agree. Just because uh, where he's at in point standing in addition to what we know he's capable of. We watched him do it for
2: years. Yeah, and it's going to be kind of up in his neck of the woods. He's going to be very comfortable up there. You got Van Beek, he's got a a great shot, too, and so does Mark Payne. It's an open book, but I'm going to have to go with on the outside looking in, I think Scott Waska is going to be the guy to keep an eye on, especially if he goes deep that first race, you better watch out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I agree completely. Top dragster, we got our boy TWJ in the lead. I texted him earlier, he's going to Huntsville. He's not going to try to block up there at 42. Best I can tell, Chris Ferguson has the best chance to overtake him. Ferguson's five rounds back. Yep. He's improving two first rounders. So basically, if he sees five win lights throughout the weekend, he would overtake Troy. Other That's contenders, right. RV3, Robert Vogler, has a chance. I think he would have to win his first race. He's only got one to claim. I'm not even sure he's going. And uh, Travis Colangelo is a long shot also. I think he would have to make two finals, and that would be assuming that Ferguson didn't run that winning total up higher than what Troy's got right now. So I would say I don't know. It's probably kind of fifty-fifty between Troy and Ferguson. What do
2: you think? You know, I like I love the Ferguson family. They're great, great people. Some of Glenn Ferguson's crowd. So they're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. They're going to be tough. But again, on the outside looking in, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Troy probably pulling this off. I Really think that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that'd be a tough decision. Uh, DW, I know you're, you're a guy probably more would rather class race or index race than, than you had bracket race, but I, I'm not sure I could work that hard and just have a five-round lead and go do something else. But uh, you know.
2: <laughs> It's tough, man, and I'll be honest with you guys. You may not know this. I'm actually a, a – I prefer bracket racing. But, you know, with the sponsorship deals and the things that we have going on, the The magazine time and the TV time all means the world to that. But if I had my way, I'd fire the rig up and we'd be hitting every bracket race between here and Texas.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. What about Superstock? Our buddy Pete Diagnolo uh, looks like it's his championship. Uh, The only racer, maybe with a mathematical shot, is Mark Nowicki. And you know, if Mark's got a mathematical shot, he's got a shot. Uh, He's only two rounds back, but. Uh, can claim just one race where he's improving on a third round loss so you know, he's got to go to the fourth round to gain anything so i guess i uh, have to go to the sixth round to get past him but he'd have to make it to round five to pass by the way but so it could get interesting but diagnolo looks like the favorite there in Superstock.
2: yeah i agree 100 uh, percent. now in the wiki hey he can definitely get his wind light on he's no stranger to doubling up and, and whatever it takes but pete man he's been on fire all year long and I don't see that fire going out. That's just, uh, he's, he's my pick in Superstock.
1: He is on fire. One at the all state race and every, it seemed like every week, Luke and I are mentioning Pete Diagnolo in something, some class of one another, bracket, Superstock, whatever. He just seems super street, seems to be getting it done and everything.
0: Yeah, I think, sure he's full of yeah, confidence. He
2: impressive.
0: Yeah, and he's still got the opportunity to improve at both of those races at 42. So, like, it's conceivable, and it would be super dramatic if, say, Pete lost early Saturday, and Nowicki won to take the lead, and Pete could still come back mm-hmm. around him Sunday. You know what I mean? The the storylines there could be pretty intriguing. But I agree with you guys. I, Absolutely. Think I think Diagnolo is definitely the favorite.
1: Yeah, I like his position.
2: Yep.
0: Stock eliminator. I spoke a little bit too, a little bit prematurely, I think, when we first broke down the IHRA points chase and said, It's over. I said, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to win. He was running away, had a monster score. He's still got a monster score 695 points in seven races is impressive. But Cooter can catch him. And Cooter told me last weekend that he's going to Dragway 42. Now, it's a tall order. In order, I, I think Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. is Cooter is the only one with mathematical shot at catching Myron Pitek, and it's a tough row to hoe. He has to basically win and runner-up in the two races in order to pull it off, and that sounds crazy, but in six races this season, IHRA events that Cooter's been to, he's been in five finals. Three wins, two runner-ups. Yep. If anybody can pull this off, he's the guy.
2: Yeah, I agree, totally. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. That's definitely one I'm going to be on the fence for. Uh, you know, that's what's
0: really impressive.
2: You really don't have a first or second round loss uh, for for Cooter. He's going to go out there, and he is going to give it all he's got, and, and he's going to be a handful for somebody. You know, so I still, on the outside looking in, just looking at numbers, I think that Myron's going to have it. But uh it's I wouldn't put all my <laughs> I wouldn't put the farm on it, that's for sure. Oh,
0: don't get me wrong. I would much rather be in Myron's shoes coming into the weekend than I would be yeah. in. But it will be interesting to watch because he is capable. So
2: uh, I would say you, if you know was, how those cajun guys go, they'll they'll get the chicken bones out and put that cajun <laughs> voodoo on you, you know. You, you never know about those guys.
1: <laughs> so yeah, yeah Danny, I, you if I you've was done I sorry racing, I'm sorry, Logan. Yeah, don't let me interrupt you, Jay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, Danny, you've done an IHRA racing a long time, so you've seen Myron Piattec secure a lot of championships.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's a machine, and his car is great, and he's very solid. So uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him stay right there. But I think there is gonna be some pressure coming on uh, after that first day.
0: If I was gonna go full on big nasty Kyle Seipel here and break this down into percentages, like he likes to do, I get like oddball percentage texts like once a week. I'll go ninety-two percent Pitech, eight percent Cooter. But uh, if I was in Myron's shoes, I would not be comfortable with that eight percent at all. <laughs>
2: yeah, for whatever reason, when you're on the upper deck looking down, it just it doesn't feel nearly as comfortable. For whatever reason, you know. I agree
0: completely. Uh, super odd. uh Dave Marcus Jr. took over the lead with his performance at Carolina, surpassed Steve for his total. Marcus sits with 571, again, out of races, again, not in particularly comfortable position. Vernon Rowland is less than two rounds back, but he's one of those that's been to nine of 10 already. So he has just one race, improving a second round loss. So I believe he'd have to win third round to pass Dave Marcus. Jacob Elrod has a shot. He's almost nine rounds back, but the way that the little points work, I believe he's improving first-round losses at both events, so I think if he turned on eight win lights over the course of the two days, he would surpass Marcus. A uh, handful of others that have a mathematical shot, but I think they basically have to run the table and get some help to get there. I yep. guess the odds are probably in Dave Marcus Jr.'s favor here, but what
2: do you think, d uh Vernon Rowland makes the trip. He's going to be tough, and Jacob Bellrod, man, he he can do it just like no other. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him double up before this this year's over with. And uh, something that's a key factor, guys, is it, these races need to be five round races. If they're okay, just long story short, if you win a four round race, it's a hundred and two points. If you win a five round race, it's a hundred and twelve. Six rounds, a hundred and twenty two. Very few races have gone six rounds this year. So you're talking about a big deal. If it goes, if you're 16 cars or more or 17 cars or more, and you end up with a five round race and Jacob wins the first one, he throws out 42, replaces it with 112, when he's got 60 points, which really shoots him up pretty good. The next day, the pressure might be off a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, but he's still going to have to go deep to get it done.
0: You've got your finger on the pulse of this as good as anybody, DW. What do you expect to see there? You think it'll be a decent crowd at 42? I don't know what to expect.
2: Uh, it's been a year that's just been crazy. When I thought they'd have good car counts, they didn't. I anticipate most every class being a five-round race, but I'm going to guess probably um, upper teens to mid-20s in each class is a car count.
0: You don't get much of a um, chance of you know,
2: to teens. I don't think so, man. You, you, top dragster and top sportsmen might surprise us, but as far as, as the rest of them, I really don't think we're going to see anything over a five-round race. I really don't.
1: Cool. Well, D-Dub, wrapping up the the points discussion. We'll we'll finish up in Hot Rod where Christopher Webb probably has the most comfortable lead of anyone in any class. Uh, there's some people back there trying to catch him. Patrick Forrester, you know Michael uh, Shabert I believe or Shabrell I can't remember Not exactly Schiebert. how you, how you okay it was Schiebert. Uh David Lincoln. That's
2: what I call him. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. <laughs>
1: John Hudson yep. uh, could catch him, but you know they'd each have to basically run the table. Christopher's in pretty good position there in Hot Rod.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, man. Uh, he would be, to me, uh, in the most comfortable position of all the classes right now. I think Kyle
0: Seiple would give Chris Webb a 96% chance of winning the world championship.
2: take (laughs) 96.4 it would have a decimal in there for sure if kyle was yeah it's yeah i mean let's get
0: let's get real here you know dw and then this is kind of off the cuff and i don't know if you've got an answer for it we've debated it and don't really have an answer for it what happens next with this ihra deal it doesn't seem like it's getting traction like w- why are the car counts so like you said unpredictable and i know in your part of the country they still get good crowds It seems like the further west they go the more the struggle you've been an advocate iha racing for what more than two decades
2: what happens next yeah. or
0: what do they need to do to to get this back to the level that that we're used to
2: well what happens next man i really don't know it it, it really feels like the derailment started i call it derailment i guess when the Tournament of Champions deal came about, that was a uh, that was definitely a neat deal in its own right. But you had your your points chasers that had the, the chance at doing good divisionally as well as nationally. They don't have that anymore. When you uh, this is what I think truly really happened. This is just on the outside looking in. Again, mm-hmm. when you pay three places back, which is fifteen thousand for first, it's five thousand for second, it's three thousand for third. Well, if you have 25 fish in that sea and only six or seven of those fish can really get at the bait. Then at some point you're going to start, you know, your racing numbers are going to start falling off. You know, you're not going to have the participants. I think that if, if maybe they had paid a top 10 or I, I don't know, I, I just, it, the atmosphere is just really way different than what it used to be. The tracks are doing a phenomenal job. The officials are doing great. I just think that the, uh, I don't know if the involvement is not there from the uppers at NHRA. I know Mike Dunn's coming
1: to some of the races, but uh, the feel that we used to have when Bader walked through the pits, you just don't have that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Bill was Danny Bill was great at, at promoting his sanction, and I'm not sure they've got that right now. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm just not sure from the top level down, the IHRA sanctioning body is doing a great job of, of promoting what they're trying to to put out there for the racers.
2: Yeah. And I, I have to agree with that. And it, it is to no offense. Uh, I agree, but I mean, let's face it, the numbers are what they are. It's not garbage in garbage out. It's real. It's what we see and it is what it is. It's so detrimental to all the sponsors and, and all the product, uh, producers that this be a success you know and there really needs in my opinion there needs to be an alternative to nhra so i just i wish that somebody could really get in there you need the corporate finances and you need the corporate brains but you need the hands-on the the blue collar to be out in the field to to figure out what it takes to communicate with your racers and and make it a success
0: yeah i agree like first and foremost if Bill Bader is the bar that you have to live up to. That's not fair to anybody. Like, that guy was unbelievable. <laughs> I agree. But yeah. at the same time, it, it just feels like it's been a, a downhill progression ever since. And I'm with you. Like, I think it is good for our sport if IHRA thrives and and, and provides, I don't know if competition is the right word for an HRA, but kind of keeps those guys honest. You know what I mean? I think it's good for everybody, but, man, it just doesn't seem to be going that direction. So hopefully they get it figured out and on the, on the right track. D-Dub, we tend to close all of these interviews with a little rapid-fire segment. And I'll be honest, Jed and I are completely unprepared at this point. Usually we have some questions down. We tend to forget (laughs) about this, so we're going to go completely off the cuff. But uh, these are fairly quick questions designed for fairly quick answers. We'll just get you in and out. Yes, no, a couple words. You up for it? Let's do it. All right. Favorite race car that you have either owned or driven?
2: Uh, hands down 68 Camaro. The first one I had stand back had eight powers car by far.
0: I remember that when you offered me to drive that somewhere and I wasn't able to take advantage of it somewhere. I, I love that car.
1: Oh, man, that was <laughs> awesome piece. That was awesome piece. DW do a lot of, of racing. Uh, you, you get on the long track and the short track, which one would you prefer eighth or quarter?
2: I'm an eighth mile kind of guy.
1: I like it. Ain't no sense in racing through the shutdown area. Talking about
2: beating the rods out of my stuff. Let's make it short. (laughs)
0: Most impressive racer that you have ever watched in
2: person? Scotty Richardson. And you're a close second, by the way.
0: You're really going but for I've seen brownie points. and, oh, and yeah, God. I'll stick with Scotty. That would have been my answer, too. So we'll go with that. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah, he's an amazing cat to watch, man. I've seen him jump in and out of stuff with doors, stuff without tops, and just keep doing what he does. You know, it's impressive to watch.
0: Before my time, but I was old enough to watch. I watched him do it in a funny car.
2: So how about that? <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. No yeah. doubt. Back when he had them shorty shorts on, looked like he was wearing some Larry Bird shorts. And, and the mullet. Don't forget the mullet. <laughs> oh, that was on point.
1: Uh, all right, enough of y'all's love fest with each other. Danny, uh, you know, it's no secret. I'm a guy that likes to eat, so I like to know what's your favorite meal.
2: I am an Italian food guy. You give me spaghetti, lasagna, real pizza i'm italian all the way i love it really heck yeah fat guy myself man hey i figured the bigger (laughs) my belly gets the easier it is to do push-ups i ain't got as far down (laughs) again good call d-dub
0: i I don't know that we've been over this with you but i started off the show by explaining that i am in salt lake city utah for an nhra division race i believe this is the farthest i have ever been from home with a race car so that's my question for you what's the farthest you ever been from home for a drag race
2: that would be Scribner, Nebraska. That was the furthest haul <laughs> I made. That's that's not real close yeah. to North Carolina, D-Dub. No, that sucked, man. If <laughs> it wasn't for the tire smoke, we'd have never seen it for the cornfields. So it was a how was
1: How was the outback in Scribner, Danny? <laughs> I really don't know. I'm sure it was good. Is, that, was, that
2: was back. Hey, look, that was like I was sixteen, seventeen years old. I mean, I felt like I had gone three countries over. I'm, wow.
0: I've made that trek to Scribner, which is no longer uh, in operation, at least to the best of my knowledge. But can you explain a little bit to our listeners, like you said, like getting from the road that the racetrack is located off of, to getting to the racetrack. Just walk us through that because that was the craziest thing I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, you know, the best that I can remember is like every road in that area was pretty much straight. There was no curves. There were no hills. There was just corn. And we finally, I was like, I'm not sure. As a matter of fact, we made that trip with Kenny Martin. I don't know if you remember Kenny Martin or not. Absolutely. But he may or may not have been into a couple of vodka and orange juices, and we decided to follow him. So <laughs> we, we ended up backing down a, a like a two-mile-long dirt road, thinking that was the interested of track, and we just pulled up to an old barn and... Couldn't turn around, just had to back (laughs) out. So it was it was definitely an interesting trip for sure.
1: (laughs) Sounds like it. The the fact that Luke's been there, just
0: the racetrack there was an old Air Force base that was. The the story that I got was that it was located where it was, you know, in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, to be like hidden from enemy airfields or whatever, you know, so nobody could spy on it. And it was literally. (laughs) Huh. Like you said, you're in the middle of Nebraska nowhere, and you turn off of this little two-lane road to the entrance to the racetrack, and then literally, I think you drove like three or four miles down like this corridor of corn to get to the facility. Like that's how close it was to the nearest road.
1: <laughs> Never heard that term. <laughs> yeah, so it was, and it was horror, a, horror it horror was
2: a motorplex. It was, it was it a was really nice motorplex. place once you got yep. in there. <laughs> I'm actually looking at this thing. I Googled it, you know, and the map is like, it's just crazy. I mean, it looks like you're in the middle of a John Deere test plot, really. And there's a racetrack.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable.
2: D-do, Two guys for on a... this
1: call have been to Scribner, Nebraska. How
2: about that? <laughs> no doubt, right? One's been to Rocky Mountain Race. Hey, right. we ain't all from Al. We're not all from Alabama, Jed. You know, you got to <laughs> spread your wings and fly. Yeah, I'm not very well traveled.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Danny, we appreciate you, man. You a great interview. We appreciate you helping us with the points breakdown and the opportunities that uh, some guys have in the yeah. HRA side. We're wishing you a lot of luck. Go up there, do your thing, do what D-Dub does, secure that third title.
2: We're going to go get after it, man, and I greatly appreciate it. And uh, thank, everything. Uh, thank you guys for everything you do for our sport. Really appreciate it. yes sir thanks
0: again bud good luck this weekend have a great one you got it guys have a good one man.
1: all right luke it's time in the show where uh we want to highlight an event We've, we've got one to talk about this week that uh pretty special to me it's where my announcing gigs so to speak started it was actually the spring fling but the first ever Sparko Fall Fling, as this race has been moved from its uh, May date to September now at Bristol Dragway, BracketRaces.com. Kyle Seipel and Peter Biondo putting on the the first ever Sparko Fall Fling at Bristol. Going to be a really great time. We all know how successful these guys have been in putting on races, but this is their first time in September at Thunder Valley, and you know uh, it should be. Super good weather, great track conditions. Obviously, Bristol is a wonderful facility and a lot of big money on the line, Luke. It's going to start out again, like always, with a test and tune on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday's going to be a 15 grander. And then we get into the main event where Thursday and Saturday, which I love the the Saturday wrap up at the Flings, give you a, a rain day or day for some more racing on Sunday if you have to stretch it out or a travel day. But 20000 on Thursday and Saturday. 50000 on Friday, and tons of money, tons of prizes. You know, that's, again, event very special to me, and I don't want to overhype it, but I love the flings.
0: Overhype it. You are the voice of the fling. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's an innovative concept, and it's not a new one for the spring fling, but to, to have the last scheduled day of competition be Saturday, that way you know, depending on what day you want to be there, what days to take off during the week, Sunday, if everything goes well, is a nice leisurely travel day back to wherever you came from. Plus, it is a fallback day. And as you know from putting on races at Bristol, it's rare that you go through a five-day span without getting rain at some point. So if yeah. that pushes it back to where you cannot complete all of the races by Saturday night, you've got Sunday to finish things up. I think it's a very, very good idea.
1: It is a great idea, and it's only $690 for the 220Ks and the 50 k. For the main event, look, it pays very well, all the way down to third-round winners. The purse is 100% guaranteed. And if you have not experienced a fling, you really can't get a feel for the atmosphere and how much fun it is. You know, there's a a racer appreciation party that will happen on Friday night. They have all this Prize vault stuff. It's unbelievable. As one of the announcers, I get to announce the event with uh, my great friend Nate Hershey. They've got uh, Racer X Sean Clark, which is uh, the guy that handles the prize vault. And it's, as an announcer, I don't think there's more than a one hour span that I'm not calling out somebody for winning something through some kind of special Mm triple O reaction time or closest to the dial or one thou red, one thou under versus all the round prizes that they have, which is some of the best stuff in racing from the best manufacturers in racing. It's just a tremendous, tremendous atmosphere. Tons of stuff being given away. Every inch or quarter inch of the flyers covered <laughs> and just giveaways and, and special things that they do with you know the Brodick's best package thing they do throughout the weekend. You've got the door car shootouts. You're gonna have a dragster shootout. Again, Sparko being the the lead sponsor in this event for the first time. They'll have the racer appreciation party. It's presented by Optima Batteries, as all the flings are, you know, it's starting out on Tuesday and then on Saturday. It is just a super fun event. It's where my announcing um, I don't want to put this word. I almost said a, a word that sound braggadocious, but it's where my announcing started on, on this stage and
0: um technically um, yes they were not the first to offer you an announcing gig let's get that straight <laughs> their race just fell in no. the calendar before mine did but anyway yeah I, that I was still, definitely i'm still I've taken credit for discovering jed i will always <laughs> take credit for that
2: <laughs>
1: well and i appreciate it you've taken me along for a heck of a ride and i'm enjoying it as well peter and kyle very near and dear to my heart again i don't i don't mean to make uh, the event uh, sound more than any other event that we uh, preview, but I love the flings and racers. If you haven't been there, do yourself a huge favor, get it on your schedule, get there next weekend, September. Uh, what is the, the dates for next weekend? I can't even remember exactly what they are. September 26th through the 30th, uh, at Bristol dragway, uh, not a bad parking place. there. It's not one of these deals where you got to get there. Four or five days early to make sure you get a good parking spot. There's not a bad one in the house. It's going to be all asphalt where you're parking. Amazing facility. People that do everything they can to make sure your experience is at its fullest. Their motto is race it, experience it. And... You definitely will feel like you did both of those when you leave the fling. So make sure you get there to the Sparco Fall Fling next weekend.
0: Yeah, to your point, Jed, that prize vault, like Pete and Kyle, Peter Biondo, Kyle Seipel, co-promoters of the the flings, which are three of now, they're not the only promoters that give away a bunch of stuff. And they weren't the first promoters that give away a bunch of stuff. I think it's fair to say they give away the most stuff. Like, like you said, it's every multiple times an hour, giving away free stuff for just randomness. And then the round prizes every single day of the event, every single round of the race. And we're not talking like trial gift certificate to this is (laughs) bracket racing.com here. We are talking about like a set of headers, (laughs) a set of slicks, a torque converter. I mean, every, every best losing package award is something that you'd be proud to take back. Home with you and the, the Todd's MVP award, you know, the Bounty Hunter awards. Like there's so much stuff, and what that does, they just create an atmosphere, and they're ahead of their time in this respect. That the flings are a social event, like most of the races that we go yeah. to. The the winners and the late round finishers that got into the money, they go away happy, and everybody else. Yeah, you know, I went racing. The flings not like that, man. It's it's as much like like a bracket finals atmosphere as you can have without having like teams. In that it's just, it's hard to explain everybody's in a good mood because I think at least partially because they make it such a social event on social media and everybody's happy to be there and be part of it in that fraternity, so to speak. And like, it's hard to be upset when you're getting free stuff for nothing. And not that everybody that pulls in the gate is going to walk away with something, but man, there's more will go away with either prizes or cash than will not. And that is not completely unique to the fling, but is, is fairly unique to the fling. Jed, I will be there, which, um, everybody thinks the craziest part of my little, and I've, and I've called this, this is the hashtag off my rocker tour. Like the craziest part of my tour is probably driving to Salt Lake City, right? Like that would be the assumption. No, the craziest part of my tour is getting from Salt Lake City to Bristol, Tennessee in 48 hours to make the first day of the fling. And I will do that. <laughs> it will take planes, trains, and automobiles. But I will see you there, my friend.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Luke. It's all eighth mile. True start is in effect. Door cars and dragsters separated for, goodness, I should know this, but I believe it's four rounds. Whatever, they're separated. It's going to be on Motor Mania TV, thanks to JEGS and Hoosier. Guys, it it is a premier event. It really is. And definitely uh, looking forward to seeing Luke there and hope to see each and every one of you guys there as well. Absolutely.
0: Jed, that will wrap up episode 44. Thanks as always. We're done already? I think that's it. Did you have anything else you wanted to add?
1: Wow, got over so fast, Luke.
0: Yeah, we're only an hour and a half into our conversation. Hopefully, we can cut <laughs> some of that out and uh, not have a complete novel of, a, uh, of an episode 44 here. <laughs> As always, thanks to our sponsors. This is Bracket Racing Elite, Siebert Performance, Racing RVs. Thanks to our guest, D-Dub, Danny Waters Jr. As always, thanks to PJ North. Thanks to our assistant, Mark Romeo, for his help. If you've got ideas for the show, you can message us on our Facebook page. We are the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. You can contact Mark directly uh, via Facebook. Again, that's Mark Romeo. We are bringing the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to you every week, even when we're doing it remote from Salt Lake City, Utah. Coming straight to you. (laughs) Noontime Wednesday should hit uh, the inbox of uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, I should say, Google Play, Stitcher.
1: Yeah, and Luke, shout out to our buddy, Mark. Uh, Mark Romeo, again, as Luke mentioned, is our assistant and uh, doing a wonderful job. Just continues to help us improve the show. And we're thankful to have Mark on board and shout out to him for his uh, win.
0: Really takes ownership of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, keeps us in line. But yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Shout out to Mark.
1: Yeah, he got, uh, got a big win at his home track Friday night. I'm not real sure what the event was, but I know Mark got the win. I did see that. So shout out to him. He's not only a great assistant here on the podcast, he's an excellent racer and just a a wonderful guy. So great job, Mark. We appreciate all you doing for us. Guys, as Luke mentioned, where you find the podcast, uh, you can get us at Apple Podcasts, Google Play or Stitcher or anywhere that you find your podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. You get the red number on your purple app on your smart device. And it tells you when we're up and ready for the next show and you get to listen before anybody else. So hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're getting uh, the show as fast as you can. And tell your friends. That is a
0: breakdown that my four-year-old could understand, Jed. The red number on the purple app.
1: That's good stuff. I'm going to use that. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to be a a simpleton here, which (laughs) I'm really good at. But (laughs) make sure, guys, you tell your friends. We know the show is growing as a result of you telling your friends. So keep telling them about the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. And if they listen one time and don't think it's for them, make them listen two or three times. Because I think at some point the show gets enough content that it touches everybody in Sportsman Drag Racing. So make sure you...
0: We can't hit home runs every week.
1: There's some stuff in
0: there. There's some stuff. No,
1: sometimes... Sometimes we, we close the show, and we know it wasn't uh, out of the park for sure. But Not this week, though. This week's a masterpiece. No, home run. Crushed it. So make sure you, you you get your friends involved and get your track involved. Again, we've had some tracks letting us know that they're playing the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on their downtime or in their downtime, whether it's oil down, parking time, whatever. And playing it over the loudspeaker and we think we can keep uh, the folks that are in the pits at a drag strip fairly entertained with this show so get your track involved let us know that your tracks involved we want to give them a special shout out here on the podcast and our millions and millions of people that are tuning in each week and listening to the show will get to hear all about your race track. so you don't want to miss that opportunity let us know when your tracks play in the podcast and join our facebook community guys that's the sportsman drag racing podcast We're on Facebook. Touch base with us on Twitter if you like to tweet. Uh, Luke is at Luke Bogacki. That's B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And Big Jed here is at JP11X. I didn't get much blowback at all from my Alabama Slammers rant last week through Facebook or Twitter. I was a little disappointed in that. I like to get get beat up on a little bit, guys. So I prefer that y'all find some things to beat me up on. I'm an easy target. So come after me catch us on facebook you can send us messages or post right there on the page or through twitter and get after it and talk to luke and i a little bit about the show we we enjoy it and we appreciate it
0: good episode big jed safe travels good luck to everybody wherever you are racing this weekend jed i will see you in bristol about a week from now
1: buddy i'm looking forward to it but i'm wishing you a lot of luck out there in salt lake shout out to my buddy mike eames i know he's taking good care of you already and I hope the outings uh, out there go well, Luke. Make it worth your time. Love to see you come out on top.
0: I'm excited. This is a cool place, a cool atmosphere. Mike and his staff have taken care of me to, to this point. Everybody's smiling. I'm looking forward to a fun weekend, and I'll give you a full report next week. All right. Good luck,
1: everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.
2: Banging on the door. Bump, bump, bump until I get in it. Attitude like I am already winning it. in anything. Bye.